Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to Mood with Lauren Elizabeth. I'm your host, Lauren Elizabeth, and I am currently on maternity leave, which means I did my absolute bestest to leave you with all of the moods and wisdoms you are going to need to get through as I get through becoming a mom for the first time. So please enjoy all of these amazing special guests and special episodes, and I hope you truly enjoy. Boost your mood for me. I'm so excited to be joined this week with Shira Barlow. She's a registered dietitian in private practice, nutrition expert, and author of The Food Therapist, presented by Goop Press. She's a frequent Goop collaborator. We love a Goopy girl because we love a Gwyneth Paltrow and has been featured in all the magazines such as Glamour, 17, Oh, The Oprah Magazine, Bon Appetit, and things like Refinery29, Man Repeller, and now mood with Lauren Elizabeth. She is going to talk to us all about relationship with food, making thoughtful choices, and really just serving your ultimate goals. She is amazing. You guys are going to love her. Enjoy. So I'm so excited to have you on my podcast now. Obviously, we were chit-chatting on yours, but this is going to come out when I'm on maternity leave. Mm. So we're basically talking to future Lauren right now. And Future Lauren hopefully is not as miserable as I think she's going to be, but I think future you is going to be absolutely thriving. So how are you you. doing in this alternate universe right now? I'm so glad that you brought it the brought up the future you because it's something I talk about all the time. Oh my God, really? Yeah. No, I'm like a super nerd on all this like future you research. There's all this research that shows that a lot of people think about themselves in the future as a completely different person. And then mm-hmm. it makes it really hard to make decisions in the here and now that actually benefit ourselves in the future. So there are ways to like connect to your future self. Anyways, I'm very, very into it. That is so interesting. Yeah. It's a lot of the research is done by this guy, Hal Hirschfield. He's a psychologist and he's a professor at UCLA. And it's it's so cool. It was actually all the research was originally done in terms of like financial saving because they found that like people weren't saving for the future because it sucks to do that because then you don't get to spend as much now. But then there's a payoff down the road. But Mm -hmm. then when I was writing my book, The Food Therapist, Mm -hmm. I got so into this idea that it's really hard, even if you know what you kind of want to do, to Mm -hmm. actually do those things day to day because there's a trade-off of like what you want right now and what you want in the moment and what you want long-term. And so I just got so, so excited about the research and and basically it found that the more connectivity you have to your future self, the easier it is to be like, oh, I want to do that future self a favor. And like a lot of times Mm -hmm. we talk about it like three months, six months, a year from now in terms of whether that's, you know, saving for the future or flossing or, you know, eating really thoughtfully, but also it's like your next day self. Like when you like prep things, you know, not even, I'm not so into like food prep, but like food assembly. So you have some stuff to like Mm. throw together type of thing. Anyways, future me is feeling nice. Well, I love that so much. And that like is so interesting to me because I feel like that's almost one of the hardest things about being pregnant was for me because I you're dealing with all these symptoms and one second you're not pregnant, the next second you are pregnant Yeah, and it's take care of your body in a whole different way. And I, it's been so hard for me to make the connection of like mind body connection that like, I'm actually growing a human that is going to be here in a few months. Yeah, It just is so, cause like in the moment, like I, it doesn't feel like that. Right. And so I wonder like, cause I want to get into your kind of story too, about like share a pre pre motherhood mm. and then post motherhood yeah. and kind of like maybe some of the differences and the ways you've changed things. 
but I do love what I'm going to piggyback off you in real time in my real life about the future self. Cause I feel mm. like that's almost maybe why I fail so much is because like, I have this idea of me in the future, but like, I'm so dis it's such a far off concept and idea that like, I actually don't do anything for her in real time. I'm just like, Oh, that that's what I'm going to be like as a mom. I'm fully not doing anything to be that person right now. That's actually such a good point. Like, it's funny because in terms of what I do with nutrition, a lot of times when someone is a parent, being Mm -hmm. a parent can actually help them connect to themselves in the future because it's like, obviously, you want to like feel your best in some cases. You want to look your best, but you also want to like have your kids seeing you enjoying food and having a healthy relationship with food and all of that stuff is really helpful for people. But when you're pregnant and you don't even know this person, I mean, some people (laughs) feel very connected to the soul and the whole thing. I I would say I felt really similar to you in that Mm. I felt, I don't want to say disconnected because I, I guess that feels negative. I think I just, it was so unclear. I'd only known myself one way and I knew I wanted to be a mom and I was excited to be a mom, but I actually couldn't really connect to what that was on like a day-to-day level and it it did actually I I don't know that it made it hard to to do things that were good for me but in a way <laughs> it kind of I think that disconnect was really hard for me when I was pregnant but I feel like you have this upper or had I guess and now have as a mom this upper advantage because you come from the the nutrition world and so Tell us a little bit about your backstory so then I can have this unrealistic expectation of your perfect nutritional pregnancy that well, you're going to Well, I with. will do the whole thing. <laughs> but it's funny that you say it like that. And I will give the whole backstory. But the funny thing now is that, and you find this with anything, is that you expect that you're going to, there's these things that you would never say to your kid. You would never feed your kid. You would never whatever. Right. And at the beginning when Oliver was first born, I like made every everything was like, <laughs> you know, the thing. And then literally, and I've talked about this before, like I would see him licking Pringles <laughs> crumbs off the floor at the park. And I was like, oh, so it's like, we're all filthy. Everything is filthy. It's all like, and everything, everyone's fine. So I think like for me, I like to control as much as I can within like what I'm buying in the house. But for me, it's actually so important for me to not make it a huge deal. Like I want food to not be like a battleground. Like I want it to be like, Mm. yes, at home, like there are certain like values of the types of things I wouldn't like buy with ingredients. But we're when we're out and about, I'm not going to be like, ooh, Oliver can't have a cupcake at so-and-so's party. And the thing is, is like the thing you'll find too, and I feel really strongly about is that as a mom and as a parent, only you can decide what's best for your family. So that's what works really well and feels really right to me. I have Mm. really crunchy moms, shout out to them on the West side who do bring those extra cupcakes, you know, like that do have more hard and fast rules and whatever. And like for them and their family and what's going on with them, like God bless. And you and I had talked offline about this idea of like good for you, not for good for you, yes, not for me. This is my new favorite thing. Yeah. And I think taking that with you where it's like there's so much information and really coming back to that intuition of like what is right for me and my family. But for me and my background with food, I was, you know, I think uh, like a lot of kids growing up in that kind of like I'm I'm 10 years older than you. And I feel like at that time, like every one of our moms was on a diet. Everyone was like downing Splenda. It was all like Diet Cokes, Atkins, whatever. And, you know, we were all really conscious and I was really conscious about like what bodies are really desirable and what aren't so much in within my family and stuff like that. I had just a tough relationship with my body. I was like a figure skater and I was always just Mm -hmm. like really kind of concerned about it. Then later on, I was an athlete in high school. I was a rower and I got really into this idea of like how to fuel your body. And I was like, fuck that. I don't want to be like a rail. I want to like be strong and I want to like be the best at this thing. And I ended up going to I ended up working at an agency. I worked at CAA after school, which is like a crazy if anyone doesn't know, it's like entourage. And the only thing I enjoyed about my job was that my boss was pregnant and I got to like Mm -hmm. decide what she was having for lunch and like look things up and make sure she was okay and kind of take care of her in that way. And I was like, 
you know, at the time they were representing people that were like experts in the field. And I was like, I think I can go do that. Like, why don't I just like be on the other side? So I went back to school. I did a very clinical program at NYU where you basically do a residency at a hospital and like do each disease state. So I have that whole background. But what I found when I left, and this goes back to the future self stuff, is that most people knew what to do. They knew that they should be like eating more thoughtfully and, you know, paying attention to sugar and that type of thing. And it was that they just weren't doing those things day to day. And it was never for the reasons that they feared. They feared that it was because they were lazy or they just didn't have willpower. They just couldn't do it. But it wasn't. It was that it was complicated. It was it was more complicated than just the food. We're busy and tired and stressed. And for a lot of us, like it's loaded. Like the Mm. food thing can be loaded and it can be rooted in our relationship with self and how we were brought up with food and, you know, the people who are modeling food behaviors for us and all of those things. Not to say that that can't change, but so much of my work became on how do we close that gap between intention and action? And that's really kind of the crux of my work now. You guys know that my entire pregnancy, I was absolutely obsessed with rituals, prenatal multivitamin. I cannot say enough good things about it. They say giving birth is equivalent to running a marathon, but what about like the whole being pregnant part? You know, like that's important too. So for the most important time of my life, I chose ritual essential for women prenatal. It's made traceable. It's vegan, bioavailable, clinically studied, And it's actually for before and during pregnancy. So you're all covered. My favorite part was obviously that I got it in citrus. So when I was taking it, it's really designed to be gentle on the stomach so you can take when you want with or without food. But it also just makes the taking it part more enjoyable. It's only two capsules. They taste really good, whether you're citrus or mint. And it's really great, especially in the first like half of your pregnancy where you have kind of an upset stomach. So it's super, super gentle. They have a delayed release capsule. So it's going to dissolve later in the small intestine, which is an ideal place to absorb the nutrients. So, you know, everything's really getting to your baby, which is high quality formulation with nature identical choline, clinically studied methylated folate. Those are two things that you're going to hear a lot about that you need when you're uh, becoming a mama and also sustainably sourced omega-3 DHA to support baby's brain development during pregnancy. And the folate is to support baby's neural tube development before and during pregnancy. 100% pregnancy recommendation stamped with approval by LE is Ritual's Essential Multivitamin for Women Prenatal. Why settle for a multivitamin you're just not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash mood to start Ritual or add Essential for Woman Prenatal to your subscription today. Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Erica. We're the hosts of A Thing or Two. We are professional enthusiasts constantly on the hunt for the products, books, and trends that should be on your radar. And we share them with you every Monday, whether it's marinated olive oil that we're putting on everything, a deep dive on pillows, or the fact that suddenly gas stoves are on everyone's outlist for 2023. We challenge the friends we invite on the show to bring their own favorite thingies too. Like when Ellen Van Dusen spilled about the IG account that's keeping her current with the youths. We also love a gift guide. We take listener questions, Dear Abby style, and tell you what to get your vegan minimalist coworker or your sister-in-law who loves to hunt. So be sure to listen and follow A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica wherever you listen to podcasts. I started getting into wellness yeah. and all that stuff, but my Midwest self is very blunt and very yes. matter of fact. And so I would always say like, it's not easy to lose weight or to become well, whatever that food and lifestyle goal is. It's not easy, but it's simple. Like it's Mm. not this big thing, you know, it's like, do you want to lose weight or whatever? Like eat the high protein, like figure out what it is for you. You're just not going to probably enjoy it or like think it's easy or or else everyone would do it, but right? See, I disagree. Well, I disagree. really, uh, well, I think it's so hard. I disagree. I mean, it depends on what you're talking about and how re- and yeah. how intense the type of thing that you're talking about is. But I think the reality is, is the nicer, more pleasant we make something, the more likely we are to keep going. So a lot of times when people are mm. like, you know, focusing it based 
on what you're saying, I'm thinking like more like greens and pro- say you're like going more greens and protein and that's kind of like what mm-hmm. you're focusing on. That can be really lame if you're eating like sad broccoli and chicken every night, you know, type totally. of thing. But I think part of the self-care and part of making it sustainable is making it special and making it nice. And it doesn't have to be obviously people work and people have families and the whole thing, but like taking some steps to make it really flavorful, to make it special. Again, mm-hmm. I don't totally believe in like the whole meal prep of it all. I, I like the meal assembly ideas that you can like just throw together things really fast. But part of that is throwing together like a non-sad meal really quickly. Yeah, it's almost that idea of like romanticizing your life that yeah. I've seen people yeah. kind of saying a lot lately. And I like that idea with food, how you're kind of saying it. Cause to me, like there's nothing romanticized about it for me, unless it's like a full pizza. Oh, by interesting. Watching Vanderpump rules. But like you saying, like, just put in some like broccoli and make it tasty. I'm like, yes, maybe one time for like a YouTube video. But besides that, <laughs> like that sounds like a drag. But here's <laughs> the thing with that. I think it also goes by, I think it has to be something that you want. And really like, that's why it's to. the future self thing. That's why it's so weird because it's like, I do want that. When I envisioned like this mom me, let's say like fall this upcoming year, this upcoming fall, I'm like, of course I want to be feeding my kid broccoli and eating broccoli and like losing my postpartum weight and, you know, feeling good and stuff. But then it's, I'm not doing that right now. That's just like this fantasy idea of me in the future. So, well, I think that's also, I think it's hard right now at this stage in your pregnancy to connect to that piece of you. That's like then focusing on the bounce back of it all, even though that, that word is so like silly at this point, but I know what you're saying. I think that right now, I think you thinking about your future self is you taking steps to take really good care of yourself so that you have like the support you need right after you Mm. have the baby that you know kind of like who you can turn to if you're like you know who I actually really need an hour or like who can like take my baby around the block for and like connecting with your partner in in a certain way and connecting you and I had talked online about like your your mom friends now and Mm. like having that community I think right now for you that piece is more important because it's so hard to think about like what you're going to be. Fe- I mean, right. for the first six months, you're not feeding your baby anything anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so that's helpful. I always thought that was really helpful. But then you and I can talk about the other piece of it all afterwards. But I do think that to go back to what you're saying with pregnancy so that you don't feel bad is I'm very like a greens and protein person. I've just like that. That is actually how I eat and how I like to eat. I thought that I would be super cute. I'd be like, ooh, (laughs) here's like my greens and protein during pregnancy. All I wanted was gluten-free sourdough toast with butter. Like that was it. Really? Yeah. So my baby is fine and (laughs) he's just fine. I did not eat a lot of vegetables. I did take a prenatal and like got enough protein. But I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Well, the apps put pressure on you too, because it's like the most common one is that we all, me and all my friends use is the what to expect when you're expecting app. And it was just like first trimester, like all it was telling me was to like eat the rainbow and like eat healthy and like all this stuff. And I was just like, oh, like I felt so overwhelmed and obviously like I'm nauseous and food aversions. Like I don't even feel like doing that. So like then you spiral of oh my God, my baby's going to come out. I literally asked my doctor when I, we would check for all, all the arms and all the legs, because I was convinced that like something was wrong because I was eating like Kraft Mac and cheese all the time, you know? So it's like, it's so interesting to hear you say that. And cause my other part of my brain is the baby's going to be fine. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, listen, is it good to have, you know, a balanced diet? Yeah, totally. But I think that there are, there are certainly a lot of phases of pregnancy for me, it was definitely the first trimester where I just, I really couldn't look at a vegetable. And I think the reality is you take your prenatal, you get enough protein, but like the baby's going to be fine. I mean, like the, the baby would take all the, take all the nutrients anyways, before anything bad, like you may feel depleted, but typically thank goodness as you're feeling that in the second trimester, you start to like bounce back in start feeling more like yourself. And, but I, I was not downing vegetables. I was not having like a super balanced diet. I'm just saying that to be completely transparent because people expect me to have had like this perfect little pregnancy. Well, yeah, (laughs) I know. I would assume it because like, I just, 
I don't know. I would want to then just like copy everything you did, but in reality, like wouldn't do anything would probably order pizza after this podcast, which is fine. No, it is fine. And I think that it's funny because the whole thing that we were talking about earlier starts now where like you have to do what feels right. Like a, what Mm. some of, some of these symptoms and I have a client right now whose nausea is so debilitating that it's like for her to like get anything in right now is like a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, there's people who it is so, so, so tough. So, yeah, I mean, getting enough protein is really important. Taking the prenatal, staying hydrated is very important. Mm. But, yeah, if like you can't do it and and you can't make the vegetables happen, especially in the first trimester, it does end up okay, whether that's the message or not. No, that's definitely the message. But I also want to know, too, because I saw on your Instagram that you took this because this kind of more like the food and almost like mental, like new chapter side is you took like a break and you were very honest about how you, if you would have told yourself that you were taking this break to go like raise a child, like you were gone for what, like almost like three years and you came back in like 2021. I mean, now you you have clients again, you wrote a book, you like, you have this podcast and it's all about this, you know, thoughtfully eating and nutrition and stuff. But I just found it so interesting that it was kind of this like clear break of like, Hey, I'm back. Here's where I've been. So it's not just also like, how did you eat during pregnancy? Mm. It's also okay. Like you clearly like gave birth and like had this big change too. Yeah. You think the next question is, okay, so then how did you eat like after pregnancy right. and what was your right. nutritional goals? But it's also like you disappear, quote unquote. I know I did. No, I did. And it's funny, you know, I really did. And it's it's funny if you had known me before, you'd kind of be like, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. I had actually just written the book. It was like a big deal for me. It was like a big deal. Like people liked it. I was like, everyone wanted to be on their thing. And it was kind of like we were up, up and away. And the book came out in February. I gave birth to Oliver in June. And I was just like all these things I thought really mattered to me. Like I was always like the most goal oriented, the most ambitious, all the things. And it just really, really mattered. Not that it doesn't, but all of a sudden I was just like, whoa, who am I? Like none of this matters. Mm. And, you know, it's also an incredibly privileged thing to be able to do that, to be able Mm. to just like, you know, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of people, I was a full stay at home mom for three years, which is, by the way, the hardest job in the world. But it is also a luxury to be able to do that, which which I'm so grateful that I did. And it was really interesting because, I mean, a lot of things happened during that time, but it was the start of motherhood really helped me listen to my gut in this way that I didn't have access to before. And something told me, and and again, I, I was fortunate enough to have the ability to do that. Something told me like, just like s- s- go in the dirt with him and like watch him, watch the wind move the trees. And it was so beautiful and it was so powerful. And, you know, I have my own you know, relationship with family and my my family of origin, the whole thing. And I felt there was something so healing about being able to just be his mom. Like everyone at the park was like, oh yeah, Oliver's mom. Like I'm sh- a bunch of people have me in their phone as Oliver's mom. And it was such a gift and it was so, so, so yummy and special. And it was also very, very hard. Yeah, right. But like you have to be like, oh, and it was also very, very hard because we talked on your podcast yes. about how there is, it's, oh, you, oh, you just wait. Right. You just wait. But it was hard. It was hard physically because I was, mm. t- you know, it's like, it's hard because it's like, who has enough hours in the day to do, to be that present all day. And then you also blah, blah, blah. And then you haven't, you have like a, a million unanswered texts and emails and whatever. But it was really, it, it's interesting also in this day. And I mean, that was, you know, a couple years ago now, but it was also just really, clarifying for me in terms of just like what I wanted, what was really important to me. But then the cool thing is, is now being back at work feels so good because, mm. and, and you don't have to be one thing and, you, and it doesn't, ha- you can change and you can change your, yeah. the whole thing. And once Oliver went to school and also some just things changed, the dynamic changed in my family and it just made sense 
and I, and I was honestly ready. And it, it made a ton of sense for me to be able to be like, oh, I, I also in my job, especially in my one-on-one practice with clients, it is a very nurturing job. Like I'm, I really do hold space for people and I'm caring for people in this way and I worry about them and I want them to do well and I'm thinking about them. I'm like, oh, I hope so-and-so is doing so and like such and such. And I didn't in that moment have the bandwidth to be that mm. for other people at that time. And then all of a sudden I really did. And I do. And now it's really cool because Oliver's really like proud of my work. And like he's really <laughs> like, you know, my mom, like he'll talk about it and he's into it. And I feel really proud of it, too. And I and I think I'm better now because I have access to I have access to just like a, a lot more emotion and a lot more like nuance than I did before. That's so it's so interesting how it can it's almost nice to like take that step back because then you're taking this like leap forward Yeah, that it you would have just been like kind that. of like crawling forward almost, you know? Yeah, I think. And it's so different. I have a ton of friends. I have. It's so funny because some of my best friends were like, sure. Are you OK? Like, what are you do? What are you doing? <laughs> like, don't you want to go to lunch or like and I have friends who wanted to go right back to work and I have friends of all di- like there's no real wrong answer. But the thing is, I think think it's almost like this weird portal if you if you can to like connect so closely to yourself and if you can use it to find what that means to you it's like the richest most beautiful juiciest thing and then you're like oh I know it's like you guide yourself there and of course like you make mistakes along the way but seeing you at this point where you're a couple months away from like having access to all of that I'm really excited for you. For some people, eating is truly an emotional experience. That's what I realized as an adult. Sometimes I would want to feel comfort. I would want to like elevate my night home alone. I would just be lazy. Like it's all about feeling sometimes. It's really an emotional experience. So when it comes to managing your weight, it's going to make sense that Noom has taken this psychology-based approach, which is why I absolutely love it. You guys know that the mind and the body are so connected. And honestly, I think that this is one of the only things that makes sense for weight management. And Noom is truly changing the game. They use science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. This is not a fad. It's not like a quick diet, a crash, whatever. Like this is going to give you the tools and understanding to really make a change in your life, which is especially what I know I'm going to be needing as a first time mama. Their new psychology based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And the best part is you decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. So I feel as though I'm not putting a lot of pressure on myself. I can really just learn about myself and figure out what works for me with the help of Noom on this new journey. Based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good, which is amazing. Noom helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. And their personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. They'll give you the knowledge and wisdom you need to make informed choices about what you eat. Noom is seriously changing how the world thinks about weight loss. So sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. It's time to get friendly with my razor again because your girl is on maternity leave. And honestly, there's no better razor out there than the Athena Club razor. Shaving just used to be something that I dreaded. And I started getting back into it because obviously I got my gorgeous Athena Club razor. And it just, I love an everything girl shower. You guys know this. I mean, the blade on my old razor used to get all just like goopy and stuff after a few uses. But I love the water activated serum on Athena Club's razor. I mean, there's just just enough of it to soothe while shaving, but it's never going to get super gunky on the blade, which makes me feel like I have to like throw it away sooner. It's getting stuck on something in the shower. It's just disgusting and embarrassing and I hate it. 
And the reason why I would get stuck on things is because my old razor would always fall off its holder. But I love the magnetic hook that comes with the Athena Club razors. It's really genius and it just keeps my razor from falling. But besides the actual razor itself being amazing, obviously my legs feel amazing. Usually they would get really dry and dull quickly. But the sharp blades that Athena Club razors have are just really gentle on my skin and leave me feeling super moisturized, super smooth, which just makes the everything girl shower experience that much better because you don't dread shaving. You know you're going to feel so good afterwards. I mean, since switching, I've gotten zero razor bumps with Athena Club's razor. So in that water activated serum that I'm obsessed with on the razor, it has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, which you guys know is the holy grail for skincare. But the best part is that this whole razor kit is only $10 and comes with two blade heads, the magnetic hook and your choice of handle color. I did the matte black because I think it looks really, really chic. And I'm obsessed. Like, I just I think it's like, oh, my God, do you have like the most expensive razor ever? It's so chic. Nope. It's $10 razor kit. But you can pick whichever one you want. And with Athena Club, you're never going to have to worry about blade refills because you choose how often you want the replacement blades shipped to you. And you can now find them in Target stores nationwide, which is what I do. I just pick them up on my Target runs. They have really amazing shaving foam, too, that's going to leave your skin super soft and hydrated. I love picking that up as well. Elevates the whole experience. So switch to the better razor and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Get started today by shopping in-store at Target stores nationwide. Just head to the shaving aisle to find the razor kit, cloud shave foam, wax strips, and razor refills. What would you say is like, Ben, because we were just talking to about like mood boosters and stuff. And, you know, obviously right now I have like all this time to really make sure I'm like boosting my mood and food is such a big part of that too. Cause like, you know, boosting it from like the inside out, especially, but how would you describe like postpartum, like self care in a sense, like how that's evolved? Like, cause you know, one of the things of you just wait is you know, you're going to have like no time to take care of yourself or like make sure you make time to take care of yourself. What would you like describe your journey with that as? That's such a good question. And I was like, miss self-care. I was, you know, like I had all these things and all these appointments (laughs) and whatever and practices and whatever. What you find, and that was one of the things I was really worried about because I was like, I love my little practices and rituals and I need like five hours a day to like fuck around (laughs) and like do my like little things. But what you realize is your threshold for what you need as far as that gets really simplified. Not Mm. that, and I don't believe in the thing. And I think everyone to a certain point, every mom gets to a certain point where you're like, I need nothing. And then you do nothing for yourself. And then you're like, oh God, I actually do. So I'm not saying like, oh, little old me, I don't need anything. I think it just all got really stripped down. So I Mm. think that, for me, really like straight out the gates, one of the things that I, everyone feels different, but I kind of really did buy into the whole like 40 days, like warm foods thing. It was a little, so there's this whole like Ayurvedic thing and it goes back to like Chinese medicine of just like the womb. It has like been through a lot and Mm -hmm eating foods that are warm after birth, like rather than like ice cold stuff, like helps kind of like warm it up and help it like come back to its normal state. And it's like really, I think very gentle, a gentle approach. I don't know all like the ins and outs of like there's chi involved and there's like (laughs) things I can't pronounce, but I really, really, that was something that felt really good to me. This is going to sound like sad because it's so basic, but like taking a shower every day is really nice. (laughs) Like right at the beginning. And I don't mean that again as kind of like a martyr mom, like, oh, little old me, may I please take a shower? But it's kind of easy not to if you're like home and whatever. But there's like something about being like, okay, here I am, even if I'm not going out, which I didn't for like the first 40 days, but like showering and like washing your hair and putting on like a fresh pair of clothes. And the other thing with that that I feel really strongly about is I am really practical and I didn't want to like buy a ton of new stuff to whatever, but I did have a couple things that I felt like confident in after that where you're like, oh, whether it's like a legging that feels really good or like a fit that you feel good about where it's like, I think it's easy to like start to feel like a garbage person because you're just like a home little no, like a little like sweaty gnome. That's how I could have, I like started to feel at certain points and then I'm like, no, 
take a shower, put on your thing. And then it's like surprising what like feeling, having something that feels like flattering for you in that moment that you feels more like yourself and pulled together in that way was really nice. I think having stuff like soups and shepherd's pie and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to like, want to see you and whatever, having boundaries in terms of like, A, you're not going to know until you know. I was someone who was like, whoa, that feels like a lot of extra energy right now. Some people do are like, oh my God, please come and like lie in bed with me and this is fun. But I think like paying attention to yourself right after of like getting a read on like, what do I actually want and need? But if people are asking if they can do things or what do you want, like have them make like yummy food. I mean, you may want different things than what I wanted. One of my best friends made this shepherd's pie for me that like to this day, like it's what I crave if I'm like having like a moment where I'm like, I just want like a warm hug basically. Yeah. So I think like having boundaries and and understanding like what you need, having like food on deck so that like there's things to grab, especially and not being too hard on yourself. You know, like some people, the breastfeeding journey is like really positive and feels really nice. And other times it's really hard and it's not and like whatever feels right for you. But I do feel like in that time, it's nice to have like food on deck. Totally. I think it's whenever too, I listen to, you know, newer moms, cause you know, it's been a few years for you. I I'm always trying to think too, cause I think that I do this for myself of when I'm podcasting, especially to be like, okay, how does this relate to just like women mm. in general that like maybe aren't necessarily in this season of life right now, even though I know a lot, I think yeah. one of the biggest surprises was a lot of people are in this season yeah. and that was just a fear of mine. So I know that this is obviously so so helpful for them, but I just find it interesting too of like, what are those kind of like lessons that maybe you see yourself connecting with your community, with your clients yeah. that just relates to kind of things you learned through motherhood that relate to non-mothers or non-expecting mothers in just different seasons of life, you know? Yeah, I think that, I think that the biggest thing that comes back again and again and again in the podcast, in the practice, if so many guests is this idea of self-compassion, because I think that we feel so much Mm -hmm. that if we're not hard, like we all make mistakes, like no matter what you want to do, no matter how far along in the process you are, you're going to take some steps back. And Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of us worry that if we're too kind to ourselves, we kind of like won't get anywhere. Mm. and we'll kind of just like stay in neutral and be like fuck ups. And what you find is it's really quite the opposite that the those sh- those feelings of shame and inadequacy and the whole thing like cause you to then like shame spiral and then do like a whole like eat repent repeat cycle where people will like eat something that and then feel kind of bad about it and then like eat so much more cuz it's like it's all ruined and and it's all over yeah. anyways and fuck it. And so I think that from literally every single person that is very smart and very self-aware, I come back again and again to this idea that like we have to be willing to make these missteps, have these missteps. It's a part of life and do our best to like, in my case, like learn from them to be like, okay, so what was going on for me? Because I really wasn't in my body in that moment. I kind of overate and it felt it it didn't feel good. I wasn't even enjoying it. Well, what do you think was going on for me? Well, like I hadn't really, I didn't really have a snack. I went right into this thing. I hadn't really thought about it. I was so stressed and I, and like the beginning of the day, I wasn't really prepared and I hadn't really, you know, X, Y, and Z. And there are all these like factors that go into our own little personal triggers of what takes us out of ourselves, what makes it really hard to what makes it really hard to connect in that way? And for some people, it's a matter of, you know, the steps that you need to take to really slow down in the moment and pay attention to eating while you're eating it. That's like the number one thing because it's it's so hard to it's it's hard conceptually to think about. And it's just because we're always doing a million trillion things. And and this idea of mindfulness at this point is kind of like an eye roll because like we all know we're supposed to be more mindful. But one of the things I talk about is like that can be really helpful is like eating with your non-dominant hand because Mm -hmm. it kind of forces you to pay attention to what you're eating while you're eating. 
but without like going to an ashram. So I think slowing down is really important. And then I think there are some, you know, we talk a ton about willpower, this idea of willpower. People think that some people have it and some people don't. And if you don't, you're just like never going to have it. And that's not the case. What all the research has found is that it's this limited resource and we use it up on doing things that we don't want to do, like answering all the emails that we're supposed to do, paying our taxes, like Mm -hmm. not yelling at our kids when they're, you know, being insane. And so I think that sometimes when our will, that's why at the end of the day, after like a long day of all the things, it's hard to kind of like not go overboard and like raid the pantry and do the whole thing because you're like, I don't even know. I already did all the thing. Like I already did all the things I was supposed to do. I already wasn't a grown up for today. And so in some cases, that's taking the pressure off yourself by like pre-committing to a decision ahead of time. So mm-hmm. having that meal assembly on deck, having something that you could kind of throw together easily that would also be really tasty. I think that that's really helpful, whether that's, you know, like having like cauliflower rice on deck or having like a, a protein that you'd be excited about, whether you want to make that or grabbing rotisserie chicken or something like that. So I think a combination of slowing down and also paying attention to when willpower reserves are going to be shot anyways and ways that you can like help out your future self, even like your tonight self ahead of time. A hundred percent. I think it's so interesting how big of a just chokehold almost, you know, the concept and just the idea and the thought process and the willpower of food is over us and food as a pregnant person, food as a mom, food as just a woman. And you know, there's obviously so many approaches to nutrition and I love your approach specifically because I think that it's especially helpful in like the season that I'm in and just knowing where I'm headed because like it's going to be quick and I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to have the willpower and be thinking and all that stuff, but I don't want to lose myself because I want to set a good example as well for my daughter which I, I think when I found out I was having a girl, the first thing I said was like, food is so different now because yeah. now you're raising a female who can easily have body issues, food yeah. issues, all that's not that men can't, but it's definitely like she's looking at me and my body because it's most like hers yeah. and stuff like that. So it's kind of been this shift in my brain of like how to be more thoughtful and self-compassionate, mm. like you've said, so that I can be an even better role model and like not disregard maybe like disorder eating habits that like I picked up back in, you know, stuff that lingered from the nineties and everything like that. Um, because it's, it's true. Like, even though like I don't have any huge issues, it doesn't mean I'm like this perfect, intuitive, mindful, self-compassionate eater, you know? Yes, completely. But you know, I think I'm glad that you said that. And I'm glad you said all of that because I've had a couple of people on recently and, and the theme has been, and I think this is really important that like, okay, so obviously I'm super, it's like self-compassionate, like all bodies are bikini body, you know, like all of that. And at the same time, it is also fine to want to look and feel your best, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that now we are in this culture where it can feel a little bit like, like I know now with my clients, they'll be like, you know, because obviously the crux of my work and my book and everything has been like on relationship with food. They'll be like, oh, here are my goals. I want to have like a healthier relationship with food. And then they're almost like embarrassed to tell me like, oh, and I also like would love to get a little leaner and whatever. So I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that you say that. I think it's so special that you're thinking about it that way in terms of like, here's how I've thought about it my whole life. Here's how, you know, I want to model it in this way. And part of that and doing it in a healthy way is just being mindful. Also, just the way we talk about it and the way you talk about your own body. I know I was really paid attention. I don't think there were any women in my life that were like feeling confident and I could really tell, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not that they necessarily owe that to us. But I think when you hear someone like kind of disparage themselves in a certain way, you're like, but I thought you looked great. But like, that's not good. Like, that's not good. So I think that's so healthy that you're thinking about that. And then I want to give you permission to also like in what we were saying about like wanting to feel your best afterwards, like that's allowed too. like the whole mm-hmm. thing. I think we kind of like now put women in these boxes where either you're like 
body positive or you're like care about the balance back, you know, like, and yeah. you, you're one <laughs> or the other. And it's like gross if you are gross if you're not or vice versa. And it's kind of like, no, I think that we're allowed to want to look and feel our best. But like, we also like really owe it to ourselves to be kind to ourselves because that that also helps the process anyways. And it's like good for our yeah. generations to come and the whole thing. But I think there's a lot of pressure, but I feel like you're you're handling it really well. Well, I'm trying, mm. trying to handle it well, because I think that what I realized as a young adult was the reason I was like so bitchy growing up is mm. because like, that's how I spoke to myself in my head. Ooh. Like, you know what I mean? It'd be like, you're a stupid piece of shit. And like, I would have no problem saying that to someone because I said that to myself all the time. Right. And so it's kind of that piece on like this new heightened level of obviously I don't speak to people like that yeah. anymore, but it's just still kind of like. I love how you say self-compassion and like the thoughtfulness because I can still be such a hard ass with myself of like, it's not that big of a deal. Like just eat healthy. Like it's not hard to eat healthy. Just do it. And it's like, okay, don't talk to yourself like that. So then you like, don't in turn, like that's like not the kind of narrative flowing throughout the home. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's where, again, I, that's where I think having, especially a daughter for you is so so nice in that you get to kind of like she gets to help you do it nicely because it's like sometimes the thing that we can't get for ourselves we can't do for ourselves in some ways like we can for our daughter we can for the next generation and for anyone that's listening who isn't a parent yet or isn't even close to that I don't I don't think that that has to be the thing I think that practicing self-compassion is and really should be something that we start as early as humanly possible and yeah because again I do think that we we think that if we're not like drill sergeants about it and we're then like we'll just like we won't get anywhere. But it's really not the case. Yeah. It's like you're allowed to like actually be nice and like enjoy things. And like and it makes you like like of course, like right now, how you and I are thinking is like it's gonna make me a better mom, but it it makes me a better partner, it makes me a better sister, like because I'm an older sister, it Mm. makes me a better older sister, it makes me a better friend, it makes me a better daughter. Because I'm not like t- being this way with myself and therefore like being like, what the fuck, mom? Right. Like, <laughs> like get a grip. Cause like I can be the bitchy older sister sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm not gonna lose all my sass, but I'm definitely gonna hopefully be a more refined version of like a more compassionate version of myself, even so as a mom. And it's just so crazy to me how it's all tied into kind of this space and wellness that has to do so much with food. And I guess, you know, you describe yourself too, like your book is called food therapist and you know, your podcast is good instincts. So what would you say are kind of like the main words that you're loving in the wellness space Mm. right now to describe, like, is it intuitive eating? Is it food freedom? Is it like what is kind of like Ooh, where you're really, loving that the space is right now? That's a really good question. You know what's so funny is I don't know that there's anyone. I think that there's now an overall shift towards like blood sugar, which I think is helpful because I've been it, noticing that. it covers everything. So it's like I'm not I don't I'm not pushing keto. I'm not pushing Atkins. I'm not pushing, you know, like not having any sugar, but I am promoting paying attention to blood sugar in a way of like wanting your blood sugar to be like this. So it's like, we're all adults. Nothing is off limits. If you want the cake, have the cake. If you want the (laughs) thing, have the thing. I'm real. I think that's really important. It's really important in my practice, but paying attention to the way like protein and fat and fiber can modulate blood sugar in a healthy way. If you're pairing that with something like really sugary or carb dense or something like that. I think that that can be really helpful. When I was doing my residency at the hospital, I taught a lot of newly diagnosed diabetics how to eat for insulin. And it's just kind of like looking at labels and paying attention to how many carbs and how much sugar and stuff like that, not because you can't have any, but but because you're being mindful of the way those things would impact blood sugar and ways you can modulate those things. And I And as I was doing it, I was like, oh, everyone would benefit from eating this way or thinking about it that way. So I think thinking about it that way, just in terms of like the food of it all, I think is really good. But I do think that, you know, it's so also, and this is the piece that ends up being annoying is that it is so individual. So that I have some people who do really well 
you know, doing plant-based stuff. I cannot eat plant-based. It doesn't, even though like I know it's great for the environment, for some people it works really well. I do not feel good when I don't eat animal protein, period. You know, Mm -hmm. every, and I think that going back to the good for you, not for me, I think so much of it is, you know, if you are paying attention to blood sugar and that whole thing, you're paying attention to getting really in touch with when you're hungry, when you're full type of thing. And that's that's also really hard because it's like eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. That's really good advice. But what if you're not really sure? A lot of yeah. us aren't. So I think paying attention, checking in with yourself. You know, I've talked about, you know, I think a lot of people know what it feels to be hungry. And then a lot of people know what it feels to be like uncomfortably stuffed. Mm-hmm. And in like a really non-judgmental way, like referring back to what it feels like to be overly stuffed and you're kind of like an overstuffed suitcase and you like feel like you could throw up maybe, you know, something like that. And so you don't want to be, you definitely don't want to be on either end just because it doesn't feel good mostly. And so right. checking in with yourself, like what is 25% full mean? What does 50% full mean? What does 75% full mean? And what does it feel to be like full and like you're that you're good? And I think for a lot of us, we could all use little reminders, especially if it's like been a busy day or crazy. You have, you know, kids running around or like you're in the middle of finals or, you know, all of that stuff. So I think ways that you can check back in with yourself, but in a really realistic way, because I really do feel like I get triggered when people are like, just meditate. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how. <laughs> so I think blood sugar stuff, paying attention to what you're eating while you're eating, trying to get in touch with those hunger cues stuff. I don't think there's anyone specific, like, you know, and that's the thing that ends up being the buzziest, like whether yeah. it's the thing. But those are the things that I find are like the tried and true things that are actually working for my clients and actually like seeing results that feel really good. And then you actually feel good just like day to day and just like not feeling like you're in a a boot camp. Yeah. I mean, I would never thrive in a boot camp. I can only do the the feel good version. There's nothing boot camp about this for sure. But I'm absolutely obsessed with everything that you've said on this podcast Mm. and know that there's so much more out there. So where can everyone go follow you for more on all the socials? You're so sweet. So I'm at Shira underscore RD on Instagram. My book is The Food Therapist. You can get it anywhere books are sold. And my podcast is The Daily for Dear Media. It is called Good Instincts. Daily? Yeah, it's a daily. You're crazy. Yeah, Monday through Friday. <laughs> You're Monday out of control. Monday through Friday. They're short no. episodes, though. It's actually really yeah. fun because they're like shorties. So it's like a little bite-sized nugget. And so Monday through Thursday is just me. And then Friday is a guest. That's so exciting. It's like a little mood booster every morning. A little a mood bit. booster. Yeah. I love it so much. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm excited for you. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.